Hi there everyone, I trust that you are doing well. I'm really looking forward to sharing with you uh, a continuation of what we've been covering in this particular series on the School of Divine Healing. We've been talking about why people get sick and I'm trusting that you are really expectant. Um, you know, whether you are listening uh, and you're with us online or you are with us at the Royal Elephant Hotel in Centurion, um, that's exciting. Um, let's be expectant because I believe God really wants to do something powerful in us. Um, he doesn't like sickness and he's teaching us in this season how to overcome sickness. Let's pray. Father, come and have your way. Come and be our teacher, Holy Spirit. Come and equip us. Come and empower us when it comes to healing the sick and receiving healing for ourselves. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So <clears throat> it's important for us to understand why we get sick so that we renew our minds with regards to these causes. This is so crucial. See, the problem is that many people get healed, but then soon afterwards, the sickness returns and they end up often in a worse state. So I want to show you, I want to equip you, I want to disciple you in this whole area of healing. You see, many people go into healing lines and they're prayed for. But the sad thing is that a few weeks later, for a lot of them, the symptoms come back and they don't know how to deal with that. You know that you can go to a, a healing meeting or a healing revival and you don't need that much faith for healing because very often the healing gifts are in operation, the gifts of healing. And what happens is you're healed. Right? We see this happening a lot, don't we? Someone is even doubting a bit, they're a bit scared, and they come out and say, my back is perfect, it's fine. But the thing is, they don't have enough word in them to know what to do when the symptoms come back two weeks later. And that's why it's so important for me to be teaching line upon line so that you're in a place of faith, not so much just to get your healing, but faith to keep your healing after you're healed. This is so, so um, important. So we need to include this discipleship process so that this doesn't happen. Okay, this thing of always losing our healing. Okay, many people like the formula. Right. And yes, we'll talk about the healing methods. But for now, we need to understand why people get sick in the first place. When you know why you got sick in the first place, then uh, when it tries to come back, you can actually close that particular door. OK, so we're continuing from last week and I want to share with you now the fourth reason why people get sick. The fourth reason. And so we're going to be talking about sin. We're going to be talking about sin. You can see some people are already reacting and saying, are you saying I've sinned? I said, well, it's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons. Throughout scripture, we see that one of the reasons why people get sick, it's actually to do with sin. Um, at a very basic level, think of STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. Okay. Before the person was promiscuous, they didn't have it. After they were promiscuous, they had it. All right. Um, so that's just a, a clear classic example of the link between sin and sickness. <clears throat> so here's the principle. At a macro level, there's a relationship between sin and sickness. At a macro level, I'm talking about the human race, okay? If there was no sin on earth, there would be no sickness, period, okay? Sickness came as a result of sin. Sickness came because of the fall of man. When man fell, when man fell, the result was death. And one of the things that leads to death 
is sickness. You see this in Romans chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. It says, for if by the trespass, the sin, all right, of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Now, let's just stop there. The emphasis here isn't the fact that, oh, there's now sin, uh, there's now sickness, and there's death because of what Adam did. That's not the emphasis, but we still need to acknowledge how it came, okay? The emphasis is there's super abundant provision of grace, right? And the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. And those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we end up reigning in life, okay? That's our potential. In this life that we're living in right now, we can reign in life, right? The word that's actually used there for life is zoe, which is God's life right? Um, we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass, one sin, resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. And this is what I've been saying. There's the law of sin and death in operation in the world because of the fall of man, right? Uh, but it's up to us who are in Christ Jesus to engage with Christ, okay, and to tap into the life of Christ in us so that we are, we have dominion and we walk in dominion over sickness. This is so, so important, okay. So the verse, of, the, the verse um, that I've just read to you, it encourages us to focus on reigning in life through Christ, okay? Now, throughout scripture, we see that the saints of old definitely saw some correlation between sin and sickness in their own lives, okay? If you just look in the Psalms, I mean, there's so many scriptures like this, but just let's focus on this one, Psalm 38, and I'm gonna read uh, verse three and then five to seven. It says, uh, there is no, the psalmist was speaking, there is no soundness in my flesh. Why? Because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long, I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. Okay, so that's how these guys saw it. That was their experience and that's how they saw it. Now, I believe that in some cases, they, the condition of their body was due to their sin. And in other cases, it wasn't necessarily. It was due to that macro level uh, impact of sin, which was the fall of man. All right. And it's important to keep these things in balance. It's so crucial to keep these things in balance, because if you're in denial about it, that, oh, maybe sin has caused this particular sickness. Sometimes you might not do what you need to do in order to undo the sickness, if that makes sense. OK, and we'll go into this um, in a while. Now, at a micro level, at an individual level, there isn't always a correlation between sickness and sin. And it's important to establish this. And Jesus addressed this issue, you see. So our focus should be on the fact that Jesus is willing to heal. Jesus is willing to heal us, right? That's the place of faith, regardless of how we have sinned. He's willing to heal us. That should be our focus. Now, 
This is how Jesus addressed it in John chapter 9, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 6. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Now, why did they ask this question? Well, it's what I'm talking about, right? It's what I'm talking about. The belief was that if someone is sick, then there's some sin somewhere, all right? Maybe his parents' sin or his sin. But because he was born blind, he, there, was, there was no time for him to have uh, sinned, right? Because he wasn't yet alive. So he was born like that. So, of course, they're asking, and I think it's a good question. And I love Jesus' response. Um, so they say, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus responds in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus is basically saying, let's focus on what I'm about to do right now. How is God glorified? Well, there will be a miracle taking place, ladies and gentlemen, right now. And I love Jesus mentioning this because sometimes we end up going on a witch hunt and we get into so much detail around like, what sin did you commit that caused this and so on. And a lot of people get so detailed instead of focusing on Jesus. Instead of focusing on the fact that, you know what, regardless of what's happened and what caused it, Jesus can and will heal you. That's, that's the important thing to focus on. Right? But there's, there's an importance around knowing what opened the door. And I'm going to unpack that just now. Okay? If you don't know what opened the door, you might open the door again. Right? And then uh, something worse might happen to you. That's important to understand that. So um, Jesus goes on to speak. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, uh, made some mud with, with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, uh, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So Jesus healed him. And so it's a caution. It's a caution for us to know that it's not always because of sin. Now, it's important to note this, and I want to say this very clearly. It's important to note that in Jesus's ministry, he did not require anyone to first repent before receiving healing. Now, a lot of times I know uh, when we pray for people, you know, it's like, okay, what issues here? Okay, first renounce it. And we almost make this a, a qualifier for the healing. But we don't see Jesus actually doing that. So it's important to just note this, that in Jesus's ministry, he did not require anyone to first repent before receiving healing, right? And this, this emphasizes his grace. Now, but here's the thing, Jesus healed them. And then he expected them in gratitude to respond to grace by changing their ways. You see, it's God's grace that teaches us not to sin. The Bible says that, okay? It's God's grace that teaches us not to sin. And that's why often he would say to people things like, uh, go and sin no more. He didn't first quiz the person and say, if you really want me to minister my healing power uh, to you, this is what you have to change. Oh, have you changed yet? Oh yeah, good, good boy. Now I can heal you. He emphasized that it was from him and it was by his grace. And 
Hopefully, the people who are the recipients would then respond to that grace by changing their lifestyle. And this is crucial. And so let's unpack John chapter 5. And I'm going to read uh, from verses 3 to 10 and then 14 to 15. This is a very powerful passage that, uh, that, that shows us this principle. Okay, so there was, there was, there was a place where uh, a great number of disab- disabled people used to lie. Okay, the blind, uh, the lame, the paralyzed, etc. Now, um, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. That's long, 38 years. And you can see that it becomes part of someone's identity. People become used to that person being like that. And they probably didn't think that anything would ever change. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, when I teach on healing methods and the process of healing the sick, this is quite important because very often you meet people where they're at. You know, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? You know, and then blind Bartimaeus said, I want to see. I believe that if blind Bartimaeus had responded by saying, "Uh, I want a better position, please. Can you just hook me up with a nicer position so that I can get more cash? Because that's where the rich people are over there. Can you just move me there, please, Jesus? You know, I believe that he might have done something like that, right? Jesus is asking you today, what do you want? Some of you, you had a place of faith in your life where you just want the pain to go. But Jesus is available to go to the root cause of that particular sickness. Okay. Um, Again, I love the way Jesus actually approached the individual. It wasn't so much the individual approaching him. And I think that was just so, that's so powerful. It shows you his compassion. And he says, do you want to get well? Sir, the the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. Sounds a bit passive when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. This is a key thing in healing people. This is a key thing. Do you actually want to get well? Are you desperate to get well? Do you want to get well? Or have you come up with all sorts of excuses why you're not going to get well? Because that is the case here, right? So it says that immediately the man got up. That's that's power. That's power. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day, the day on which um, this took place was the Sabbath. And so Jesus' uh, so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Isn't that so sad how people can be so religious? Verse 14, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. For me, what's so powerful here is that this passage shows us that ongoing sin may not stop God from healing you in the first place, but it can cause something worse happening to you. When you've been healed, Jesus definitely expects you to change your lifestyle. Because remember, his goal is not just your physical well-being. His goal is your complete deliverance. His goal is that you come back and you return to a place of worshipping him. That's how we respond to his grace. 
in Luke 11, uh, uh, verse 24 to 26. When an impure spirit, I'm explaining to you this principle, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, this is Jesus speaking, it goes through and places, it goes uh, through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When, when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now, Jesus is explaining a principle here, right? And, you know, some translations will say, finds the place empty. It's so important that we don't separate deliverance from discipleship. You see, you can cast out a demon from someone, but it's important that you don't leave the place in uh, some sort of vacuum, right? Um, it's so important. It's important that you get the person baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the word of God, okay? And a true disciple following Jesus so that there's no room for the enemy to come back in with even worse spirits, okay? Um, so you can see Jesus's heart just by looking at these two passages that he doesn't want people to return to the same condition again after they've been healed or even worse. He says to this man, Go and sin no more. Stop sinning or else something worse might happen. So that's the impact of sin. Okay. Stop sinning. Now, as I'm sharing this with you, I'd like you to be reflecting on your life and saying, did, saying Lord, was the door opened because of this particular sin in my life? And the Lord will show you. It might not be. It might not be the case or it might be. And if you're in that situation, I'd encourage you to make sure you don't continue sinning. You don't continue sinning in terms of whatever opened that particular door, okay? That you get discipled. That in the same way that you're saying, Lord, I want you to heal my physical body. In the same way, you're also saying, Lord, I believe that you're the one who makes my soul whole. You're the one who restores my soul. Those two work hand in hand. And what I found is a lot of people have faith for just one of those aspects and not the other. So some people have got faith for healing, healing of the physical body, but they don't want to change their lifestyle. They don't have faith for a new life. Other people have got faith for a new life. If we say, do you know that Jesus forgives you? A lot of people say, yes, yes. Do you know that you can be saved right now and go to heaven and end up going to heaven? Yes, yes, yes. Do you know that he also heals your body? Mm, I'm not too sure about that. Let me, let me say something. God wants to restore you, spirit, soul, and body. He wants to restore us and we need to have faith for all three. Now, in James 5, verse 13 to 16, powerful passage. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? I love the way it just deals with the different uh, categories. Is anyone among you sick? Right now, as I'm speaking to you, is anyone here sick? All right. What should you do? It says, let them call the elders of the church, the elders here, right, to pray over them and anoint them with oil. And we're going to do that afterwards. OK, for those of you who are physically uh, here with us at the Royal Elephant, we're going to do that. Right. Um, <clears throat> let, the, uh, let the elders pray over them, anoint them with oil. That's just symbolic of the Holy Spirit. OK, the anointing in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, not the oil, the prayer offered in faith 
will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. But he doesn't just stop there. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Can you see the package? I forgive you of your sins. Go, pick up your mat, go. Right? Pick up your mat, go. I forgive you of your sins. Can you see the two work hand in hand? That's why Jesus says, guys, is it easier for me to just say, pick up your mat and go? Right? Or is it easier for me to just say, hey, your sins are forgiven? It comes in the same package, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other. Now, this is talk not talking about confessing specifically to a priest per se, because remember the context here is this is one of the one another's, right? So therefore confess your sins to one another, right? That's what we should be doing as believers in fellowship with each other, not just talking about our strengths. Hey, I've got a testimony. Look how well I did, right? But also confessing our sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. Can you see? Confess your sins one to another, right? Forgiveness of sins. Can you see it coming through there, right? And pray for each other so you may be healed. These are the one another's and we need to be doing that. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's not just choose, oh, okay, Lord, uh, please forgive me in this area. Whilst we're also not saying, Lord, please, uh, you know, I, I need healing here, right? At the same time, let's not just focus on heal my physical body but we're not dealing with some of our misdemeanors spiritually, right? So instances of sin-prompted sickness are meant to provoke repentance. Instances of sin-prompted sickness are meant to provoke repentance. God wants to take us to a place of repentance. So I wanted to highlight that and I trust that it's clearly understood. And I want to encourage you, come before the Lord Say, God, you know what? I repent of A, B, C, D. I close this door, that door, uh, etc. while you're receiving your healing at the same time. Amen. Um, the fifth cause of sickness that I want to address with you today is unforgiveness and bitterness. Now, technically speaking, I could have covered this under psychosomatic illnesses, okay? Um, but I believe there's a spiritual dimension to unforgiveness and bitterness. In Ephesians 4, verses 31 to 32, look how strongly stated it is. Get rid of all bitterness. I want to say that to you right now. If you've become bitter, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know the famous um, quote, the famous saying that, Unforgiveness and harboring unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and then hoping that the rat will die. Okay. And, and that's what it's like. That's what unforgiveness is like. Many of us find ourselves in a place in our lives where we are punishing people with our thoughts and we are wishing ill on them. Right. Uh, we keep doing that and we think that their lives will be terrible, will be bad because of everything they did to us. Not realizing that the bitterness we are harboring is actually like poison. We're actually poisoning ourselves. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. I believe that one of the main keys that gets a person to a place of forgiving other people is having a revelation of how they've been forgiven in the first place. 
If you're that person who carries bitterness, you probably don't have a revelation of how much God has forgiven you. In Hebrews 12 verse 15, look at some of the consequences of bitterness. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, right? That revelation of grace and that no bitter root grows up. Let me say, say something to you. Bitterness grows. It doesn't just stay at one level, you know. So be careful because if you've got a root of bitterness in you, it grows, it develops. You see that someone was doing nasty things to someone else because of bitterness. Now they've become a murderer because of bitterness. It grows, okay? And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. You see, your bitterness can defile those who hear you speak because you're saying nasty things. You're spreading rumors. You're gossiping. Your bitterness can defile those who hear you speak, but your bitterness can also defile your physical body. This is what a lot of people don't understand. What you say with your mouth affects your physical body. Our words are so powerful. Your tongue is a rudder. It shapes the direction of your life, right? <clears throat> so be careful of what you say when you're harboring unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. It may affect your physical health. In Matthew 12, verses 36 to 37, I'm reading from the Berean Study Bible. It says, but I tell you that men will give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. So you might have said it joking around, but if it came from a bitter heart, it came from an unclean heart, that careless word that you speak, right, will have to give an account and you're not going to be able to say, ah, it was just a joke. Ah, you know me. It's my style. Ah, that's how I roll. Ah, you guys are too sensitive. Be careful what you release. Why? Verse 37. For by your words, you'll be acquitted and by your words, you'll be condemned. What do we speak of when we're talking about acquitted? That's released, released from judgment. Okay. By your words, you'll be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. And I believe it's happening even right now. That some people have that revelation that with the same measure I judge, I will be judged. Okay? Uh, be careful what you say about people who are sick, who are ill. Be careful of the judgments that you're releasing on them. Yeah, he didn't look after himself. Yeah, oh, it's because of all that junk he ate. And you start mocking that particular individual. That grace that was keeping you healthy. That grace can lift, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, but grace can't lift. Grace can't lift. We'll teach that on another occasion, but I'm telling you right now that grace can lift. The Bible says that God resists the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, when you're proud, there's a measure of grace that you don't walk in. There's a measure of grace that you won't experience. Okay, I'll teach it one day when I talk about how to unlock grace, how to receive grace, how to walk in grace, because there's an abundance of grace. But often we tie God's hands. We tie God's hands because of the judgments that we make. So be careful of what you say when you're harboring unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. It may affect your physical health. In Proverbs 17 verse 22, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. This is, this is the word of God and science is showing it today. Do you know that many people who pray for the sick will tell you this, that uh, often they literally have to say, um, is, are you harboring any unforgiveness against someone? And then you see the results, you see the freedom. When they let go of that bitterness, of that unforgiveness, 
they also are healed physically many, many times. Ask anyone who's involved in any form of deliverance ministry or healing ministry and they'll, and they'll uh, concur. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine. Laughing a lot is good for your health, ladies and gentlemen. Being full of joy is good for your health. Okay, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And let me just say something. One of the diseases that is very strongly linked to our emotional state is actually arthritis. Arthritis. It's one of those diseases that is very strongly linked to our emotional state. Yes, there's your diet. There's the dietary aspects, etc. They're all those things. But uh, let me share with you something. So there's a, there's a particular... Uh, professor, PhD director guy at Stanford. And he says that our minds and bodies try to protect us from risk through residual feelings of bitterness or the associated, associated physical response of fear. But it's important to remind yourself those things don't imply something horrible is going to happen. Put it simply, if your grandmother was terrible to you, when you are a child, your nervous system might try to protect you. But that doesn't mean she needs to be feared anymore. You see, a lot of times our emotional state stems from habits we've had since childhood. Oh, when I see an authority figure, I must protect myself. Oh, when I see this type of person, I must actually feel quite angry because that anger will help me to be defensive, right? I'm always guarded. But here's the sad thing. Many people remain reacting like that, right? But it's something that stems from their childhood 40 years ago, 45 years ago, 50 years ago. But they still have that same response. That's not necessary today. And I believe that God wants to free some of you in this particular area. Okay, you, you don't have to keep reacting in that particular way, fearing this person, fearing that person, just because you feared your father, just because you're intimidated by your father. Now, every authority figure that walks into a room, you're already in that reaction mode. It's not good for your body. It's not good for your body. Um, there was someone who uh, shared some interesting research also, uh, just saying it makes sense that choosing not to be bitter would make you feel happier. In a 2015 study, right, it was actually found that forgiving others is associated with lower levels of depression, anxiety, and hostility, and higher positive emotion and satisfaction with life. There's a particular study that was done in 2018 on religiously or uh, spiritually motivated forgiveness. That's us. Yes. Okay. Um, and it was found that the more people forgave, the greater their psychosocial well-being and the lower their mental distress. In other words, greater forgiveness was also associated with higher life satisfaction and fewer symptoms of depression and anxiety. So guys, when we, when we forgive, when we get rid of bitterness, it helps us, okay, uh, when it comes to those psychosomatic diseases we've spoken about, it helps us in terms of our mental health and it helps us also in terms of our physical health. Um, there's a lady called Kathy Norman. She did some research at University of Pennsylvania, powerful stuff. And she found this. She found that failing to forgive or unforgiveness is the practice of engaging in ruminative 
thoughts. Now, ruminating is to do with um, uh, where you mull over negative things, okay? Um, thoughts of anger, vengeance, hate, and resentment that have unproductive outcomes for the ruminator, such as an increased anxiety, depression, elevated blood pressure, vascular resistance, uh, decreased immune system, and worse outcomes in coronary, coronary uh, artery disease. Okay, very important. And we'll be praying into some of these things uh, just now when we do the when we do the, the, the prayer at the end. Okay. Studies show that emotional factors are crucial to the development of uh, rheumatoid, rheumatoid uh, arthritis, okay, RA. The mindsets and emotions associated with arthritis are usually unexpressed anger, resentment, aggression, perfectionism, uh, criticism of self and others, lack of support and fear. Studies have found that one reason women are afflicted with uh, rheumatoid um, arthritis uh, four times more frequently than men is, is that women uh, are taught from a very young age okay, not to express anger. Now, I've, I've also looked at other research and I know in the States it's about maybe three to one, okay? So it's not necessarily always four to one in terms of male, female, uh, but it's very clear in all the research you see that um, men don't experience it as much as women. In fact, when women get arthritis or particularly RA, um, they experience it's usually worse. Right. And it tends to happen for women between the ages of 30 and 60. And then men tend to get it later on in life. And it's interesting because um, studies have shown that as women are growing up, they often are socialized not to express anger, you know, just suppress it. You know, and that's why often a guy can rant and you know, scream at people and express his anger. Right. And I'm saying it's always a good thing, but express it. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's not happy. But when a woman does it, it's like, oh, what's up with her? You know, and so the way we've been socialized, it's almost like men can express it when women, women do it. It's not always uh, seen, seen in a, in, a, in a positive light. But what I want to say to you, the main point I want to say is that it's important not to suppress your anger. Whatever, will, whatever you resist will persist period. Whatever you resist will persist. It's important if you've got issues that you are carrying that you talk about them. Do it in a respectful way, but I'm telling you if you suppress it, it will come out in other ways and very often, unfortunately, it comes out in our health. Dr. Don Colbert, um, many of you might have heard of him. He's a, he's a Christian um, thought leader around health. And uh, he said that on more than one occasion, I've seen an individual healed of arthritis when he or she released bitterness and anger through total repentance. The person was first set free spiritually, then emotionally and physically. So don't let deadly emotions rob you of life and health. Forgive and be healed. Forgive and be healed. I want to lead you in a particular prayer for that. If you're here today and you're in a space where you, um, you know there's some kind of sin that you've been involved in that has opened a door to your mental health challenges or to your physical body, just get ready because I'm going to pray for you um, at the end. Okay. If you're in a place where you need to forgive people, forgive them, release them. Release them. Get rid of that bitterness. Because I'm telling you right now, it's likely that it's affecting your physical body. 
Guys, I want to encourage you. I'm a researcher at heart. And the reason why I like to uh, quote research here and there, and I'm quite careful how I do it. I like looking at multiple sources, etc. But one of the reasons I like to do so is so that we see firsthand that this is not just theoretical stuff out there, but what the Bible says is actually also being validated by scientific research that is being carried out today. And they might not always quote the Bible, but we see these correlations. We see them taking place. If you do studies even on uh, fornication, specifically amongst um, uh, young girls, and you see that there's a direct correlation between that and depression, okay, in terms of um, the, the prevalence of depression amongst young girls who have been involved um, prematurely uh, in premarital sex, basically, right? And you see the link between that and depression today. And those who haven't been, um, you again, it's amazing what the research is showing. I'm telling you right now, sin uh, very often will open a door that affects your physical health and your emotional, um, your emotional health. So get ready. Uh, I want to pray for you. Father, even as people are acknowledging um, right now that there's sin in their lives, I thank you, God, that you're the one who still comes through and heals them. And I thank you, Lord, that grace is being released right now over them so that they no longer walk in that particular sin. I thank you for freedom right now in Jesus' mighty name. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Your sins have been forgiven. That's what the cross of Calvary was for. Go, you are released in Jesus' mighty name. Nothing worse will come to you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And then now, Father, I pray for your grace to be made available for those who need to release bitterness, those who need to forgive. I pray that you give each one of us a revelation of what you did for us on the cross, that we may step out and we may forgive as we've been forgiven. If we are not aware of how much you've forgiven us, may you make this clear to us, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen. <clears throat> so the crafted prayer for healing today is going to focus on heart diseases. And I'd like you to start thinking of those who are struggling with this. It might be yourself, it might be a friend of yours, it might be a parent, and uh, we're gonna stand with you in agreement as we make these declarations. And with all of these crafted prayers, uh, we'll also cut them and uh, make them available to you. Uh, it's very powerful when you can actually um, play these over someone so that you get it into their spirit, okay? Many people have been healed that way, where these words just go into their spirits. Uh, words of many people who heal, right? And I want to encourage you to, to do that, make use of these resources. So we're praying against heart diseases right now in the name of Jesus. We come against all types of cardiovascular challenges people are facing in the name of Jesus. Every condition that is affecting your heart is being dealt with right now in Jesus' mighty name. We pray for all those with blood vessel diseases, anything involving the arteries. We pray for those with narrow or blocked vessels in Jesus' name. You will not have a heart attack. 
I come against high blood pressure in Jesus' name. We stand against anything causing blockages in the arteries, uh, that the arteries that supply blood to the heart. I speak order where there's disorder. Chest pain, go in Jesus' name. You will not have a stroke in Jesus' name. Every challenge with heart rhythm is being dealt with now in Jesus' name. You will have a steady heartbeat. Your heart rate will not be too slow and will not be too fast. It will, be, it will not be irregular. It will not be disorganized. We cancel your appointment with death. You will not have a premature death in Jesus' name. Every agenda of the enemy to cause sudden cardiac death is disarmed and it's silenced right now in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not your portion. It's not your portion. It must obey these words in Jesus' name. Let go, devil. Let go, devil. Every foul spirit, every unclean spirit that is getting in the way, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. We speak healing from any heart defects that you were born with congenital uh, heart defects. We come against that in Jesus' name. We declare that they are all being dealt with now because of the cross. I speak order to your heart's muscle and valves in the name of Jesus. We pray for, uh, for babies and small children with uh, congenital heart disease. Uh, this is not your portion. This is not your portion. This is not for you. We declare a long life for you in Jesus' name, a long life for you in Jesus' name, a creative miracle when necessary in Jesus' name. I declare that any challenge with your heart rhythm is being normalized right now in the name of Jesus. For all those with cardiovascular challenges, from now onwards, your heart will do its job efficiently. Your body is getting uh, the, the, the blood uh, born oxygen and uh, nutrients uh, it needs fueling you uh, with enough energy to maintain your active lifestyle in Jesus mighty name. Um, chronic fatigue is going away now in Jesus name. I declare that you will have healthy levels of good cholesterol in your blood for cell reproduction. Uh, you will not have too much LDL, uh, bad cholesterol in your blood, in your bloodstream and there will be no blockages impeding blood flow. I declare quick recovery rate uh, over you when you exercise. You will have the ability to quickly rebound to your normal heart rate after intensive exercise. You will have a healthy heart in Jesus name. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen and Amen. God bless you. We love you. Let's stay in faith. Let's keep praying uh, so that uh, we step out in boldness and we heal the sick. I want to encourage you to fellowship with each other, connect with each other, uh, bond with each other. It's such a powerful aspect of the Christian life. Obviously taking care of yourself, social distancing, etc. We want to be wise. I want to encourage you to keep giving. Uh, don't lose that habit of giving. Uh, all our details are on our website. There are different places you can give. There's uh, your normal tithes and offerings, but there's also the building fund. And I'll encourage you, we've been making some progress with regards to that. And I'll probably make some kind of an announcement with regards to that, just with more details next week. God bless you. We love you so much.